Hello, I am Dr. Edwin Porras, Doctor of Physical Therapy, Medical Analyst, FantasyPoints.com. I'll cut to the chase. Are you tired of tagging me in your tweets, wondering when your top fantasy player is going to be back? Are you tired of wondering if you should place that prop bet on a guy coming off of a high ankle sprain? Are you tired of asking me if you should buy low, if you should sell high in Dynasty because a guy had an ACL tear? Don't worry about guys coming off of injuries anymore. Don't worry about your prop bets. Don't worry about your starting lineup. Don't worry about your DFS lineups. Use the injury-prone draft guide and season-long playbook to understand exactly how players perform after an injury. This draft guide has over 40 player profiles on guys with injury concern or injury risk. It also has 10 plus years of NFL injury data and performance metrics for players coming off of ACL, foot and ankle fractures, high ankle sprains, hamstring strains, concussions, you name it. We have yards per route run, targets, targets per route run. This data set is going to be your guide, not just for draft season, but all year long. I promise you, if you have ever bought a subscription to a fantasy football site like Fantasy Points, the injury prone draft guide and playbook is the perfect complement. The guide also includes tiers and rankings based on guys who are at risk versus less risk. You're going to get handcuffs based off injury histories. You're going to get 10 plus years of data and injury histories. But I promise you, buying this draft guide will help you win your league. This will be the last two to three percent that you need to get over the hump in that league that you have came in second and third over the last five years. Use promo code injuryprone25 for 25% off. You won't regret it. Welcome back to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porter, Dr. of Physical Therapy, Medical Analyst, FantasyPoints.com. If you hear a squeaky, a squeaky toy in the background, that is my new puppy. She is playing with her squeaky toy. She's bored. She's being disruptive. So I gave her a squeaky toy. I'm sorry about that. But our guest, he's not a squeaky toy. He's tougher than that. His name is Michael Florio at Michael F. Florio on Twitter. He's, of course, over at the NFL Network, NFL Fantasy, Rotoballer, uh, Sirius XM. He's got Florio's football show. He is... One of the literally, legitimately, I don't mean that. I'm, I, I really mean this. I'm not just saying this. You're like one of the nicest guys in the industry. Um, we had a nice little conversation before we started recording. Um, dude, you're like the, the nicest guy, which is I, why I feel so bad over the last two years that I just have to beat you in the league that we're in, in the injury prone <laughs> invitational. Well, one, thank it you just for makes the me feel bad. <laughs> two, before I get into the league, uh, one, I did my own podcast today, Florio's Football Show, and I actually had to start it out the exact same way you did. I was like, if you hear my dog, I'm sorry. She she <laughs> has high anxiety at times, and it's coming out right now. So I have to ask, what kind of puppy did you get? So she she came from a rescue. We assume she's some sort of lab mix. So we don't really know yet. We actually Ooh. sent her DNA in. Yeah, so we're going to find out. We're, we're excited, actually. You're going to have Use your hands bark, full. I think is what it's called. Uh, yes, we already do. And we, I already do at this time. Um, currently I'm trying to entertain her. I need a walker as soon as we get done here. Um, but yeah, man, it's nice <laughs> I, to have you on. It's nice to have you on. Be- before we move on the, the league, I, <laughs> I'm, I, I was thinking about this. You said, before. wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I remember a couple, maybe a couple weeks ago it was, you tweeted me and said, I've never made the playoffs. And I, I was thinking about it before the show. <laughs> I am pretty sure I lost in the semifinals last year. Okay, okay, okay. I I literally don't even remember. I just like to I just like to trash tr- tr- trash talk. It it I could easily be wrong. I play in too many leagues to keep track, but I'm pretty sure I got the snow game with Devontae Adams and everything. The Derek. Ooh, the, mm. I think that's the week mm-hmm. I lost. But again, I could be thinking of a different league. No, I mean I, I could I could go back. We we moved off the platform we were using, so I'd have to look at the historical. Honestly, if I don't Thank win the God. league, I, I I don't really remember. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you um but i do like to talk trash in that league um 
most of the time you guys don't follow suit. Troy will Troy will get in there with some jabs every now and then, which is fun. Um, the, I try to get. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say my favorite part about the league is you do try to get everyone to talk trash, and it it backfires every time. It totally it backfires. Yeah. Everyone talking <laughs> trash to you. It's so true. <laughs> it backfires. It backfires every time, and I still try every single time. Um, those are fun though. That's like a super fun league, super sharp league too. Uh, the draft in that league always is like the barometer for all my other drafts. I'm like, okay, if I couldn't get away with this in this draft, that doesn't necessarily mean that I can't get away with it in my other drafts and vice versa. Um, the super freaking sharp room, man. Like that is just a, like, we have Rich Rebar in there, JJ Zacharyson, Scott Barrett, Graham Barfield. We have you in there. Um, Troy King, like that is just a loaded class. Pat Fitzmaurice, who I always, Matt Harmon, I always specifically try to get um, Pat Fitzmorris to, to talk trash because he's he's also one of the most like kindest, gentlest souls that you'll ever meet. And I, I can't ever do it. I can't ever get him to, to talk any trash. But yeah, man, that's a fun league. I'm looking forward to it. Our draft is in a couple of weeks. Everybody's joined the league. So I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to talking through um, you know, one of the one of the things that I do joke about in that league specifically with, with all of you guys is like, congratulations, like you let me beat you with your own ranks and content. Um, so I want to get your <laughs> ranks and your content today, man. I want to get an idea for where you're at. Um, and I want to start with the 2023 sort of draft strategy that's going on right now. Obviously, we've seen a big push of wide receivers. Um, but what do you think is the biggest mistake drafters are making in 2023? And how can we potentially exploit that? I think the biggest mistake... And this, look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I might swing and miss on a couple of these calls, but I think the biggest mistake that a lot of people are doing is they are hyping up the mid-range running backs, especially the ones that go outside the top 20 running backs. Like uh, there's an endless hive of hype for Rashad White. Uh, I think Alexander Madison fits in that group. Isaiah Pacheco is one. Um, J.K. Dobbins, I, I'll throw in there as well. All these are all players that I I'm not going to tell you they're bad players, but I don't believe that they are as talented as the hype they are getting calls for. I think what people are doing though, is saying, look, this player is going to get volume. He's going to get so much volume. He may be an RB one. Well, like Rashad white plays on a bad offense. Now they're going to pass the ball fewer. He was the least explosive running back in football last year. To me, I've been suckered in, in the past before thinking that a mediocre to slightly above average running back is going to be a lot better than their talent indicates because of volume. And I'm also the person who says like talent doesn't always matter because to me, you need to find talent plus opportunity. Those are the players that you want in fantasy. So I think a lot of these players, because if they don't get the volume that we are projecting and it happens every year, a year ago, it was Chase Edmonds. Like it, it happens every year where a player that we project for a whole bunch of volume it just doesn't happen. And then that player ends up being either one that you don't want to start or you don't feel great about, or sometimes one that ends up back on the waiver wire. Not necessarily saying those running backs will end up on the waiver wire, but I don't think they're going to hit like people think they're going to. And for me, there's a lot more running backs that you can get even a little bit after that group that I like better. That leads perfectly into my next question, because maybe it's because they regress or maybe it's not because they regress. But who are three? Maybe if you have like a handful of, of running backs specifically that you prefer because you think they might regress positively this year. One is Alvin Kamara. Um, I understand that 
he was a disappointment last year. Finished as the overall RB16, 14 in points per game. But it was literally his worst career year in terms of fantasy points per game. But I look at it. He only had four goal line rushing attempts last year. He did not score a touchdown in 13 of the 15 games he played in. I know they brought in Jamal Williams. I find it hard to believe, though, that Alvin Kamara is going to struggle to find the end zone so much after he was putting up points, touchdowns every single season. So you put like to me, when you look at Alvin Kamara's stat line year by year, last year is the anomaly. And I, I get it getting a little bit older and stuff, but. If you're going to let me take him all offseason, it was outside the top 30 running backs. I understand because of the suspension, but he's still going in the late 20s. I'll take him all day. I love James Cook this year. Uh, Not a whole lot of regression there. I just think he's going to get more opportunity. And I think that he is so much better than Devin Singletary. So explosive. But everyone thinks he's an RB3 because that's all Devin Singletary has been for years. Some players I do think will regress, though pair of teammates here they're not running backs but Kyle Pitts Drake London uh they earned targets at such a high rate last year towards the top of the league uh, on earning a target on a per route basis um the issue was Marcus Mariota was terrible at football um and we've known that but not only was he not a good like 60% of Pitts's targets were uncatchable last season but besides that they ran the ball so much with him. I, I don't think they're going to have the game scripts like they did last year where they only lost two games by more than one score. Um, but also, like they went from 24.5 passes per game to 30.5 per game with when they made the quarterback switch. And I know that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but six more pass oh, attempts a lot. per game. That's a lot, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. that, that over a season, that equates to over 100 more pass attempts. Like, And if you give... A quarter of those to each of those two. Now we're talking about 25 more targets on the year for them like that. That goes a long way. Um, So those are two players that I definitely think are going to have better years this year. And the Internet hates me because I I always love to hype up my man, Kyle Pitts. (laughs) But you give me a three, four round discount on what he cost a year ago. I'm I'm back in. Man, Kyle Pitts is like he's one of those guys you just can't quit. He's his it's here's the thing is like. He has already been good. He had one of the best rookie tight end uh, seasons ever, basically. Um, thousand yards receiving. Then, obviously, you have the entire situation. Like, he is, was placed and probably... I mean, can you even think of a situation... Like, can you even think of, like, five other situations that would have been worse than the Falcons when he landed there? I, I, don't, I don't think I can. Can you? No. Uh, especially given who the head coach is and, and how he likes to design his offense. It doesn't make sense to me to to draft a tight end as high as you did and then be like, we're going to run the ball. And then a wide receiver as well the next year and just be like, hey, we're going to run the ball all season long. Especially when he already knew what Marcus Mariota was. He's the one who benched him in Tennessee in the first place. Everyone last year at the end of the year was giving Arthur Smith credit for benching Marcus Mariota and, and playing Desmond Ritter. And I was like, why are we praising this guy? Why did this not happen after like week four? It didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I just that whole situation is is very muddled. Now, I do have some slight concern for Kyle Pitts. I do think that it was more than an MCL tear that he had because he wouldn't still be, you know, and obviously he's probably progressed at this point, but he was in a knee brace at eight months post-op. Again, maybe he's got, he's ditched the knee brace at this point. I actually think he has, but that's just kind of strange to me. 
Um, another reason, like another reason that I'm kind of nervous is because he also had a hamstring strain leading up to the, the knee injury that he suffered. So you kind of get hit with a double whammy on pits, but I do think that you, and you kind of mentioned it like at this point, you're getting a three round ADP, uh, discount. And I do think that that is, uh, that's more than fair for a guy with Kyle Pitts who, who, if you're chasing upside, like you should, um, I think that he could provide uh, some, some smash value there. I, I, while we were talking injuries, are you worried about Kadarius Tony? Oh, you want to, well, you really went off script with that one. That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I, I told you, I told him, I told, I told Florio before we started hitting record. Hey man, it's laid back. Like if you want to go off script, like go off script. You went way off the beaten path. This is hilarious, but I'm because, fine with it. I love it. Cause I love he, it. You already went in on pits and th- I feel like those are the two guys that I get tied to the most, even though I, they're, they may not be necessarily my favorites that I'm trying to draft this year, but, uh, yeah, I'm so closely tied to Kadarius Tony now that I need to ask about him. <laughs> it is, it is. Um, again, depending on what you invested from an ADP perspective, I think it can be fine. Like at this point, you're getting him for free. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter necessarily. I think that he could have another hamstring recurrence, and it doesn't necessarily matter that he's had two surgeries on his meniscus as much. If you again got him basically for free, but there is risk there. Kadarius Tony gets a bad rap for being injured all the time, and he has had a long list of injuries, but the two that you really specifically worry about are the hamstring and the meniscus. And so those can really crop up in the middle of the season and cause problems for players and 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 potentially lead to being shut down again or just not being able to go full speed. But I, I trust that the Chiefs will manage his reps, and I think that he can be, you know, I think that if Kadarius Tony plays, I don't know, 12, 10 to 12 games, this season, I think that that's a success. Like maybe that's a little overkill, a little overboard. Maybe we should say like 12 to 13 is a success. But I do think that it's somewhere in that range. Like I don't think you're going to get a full 100% healthy Kadarius Tony for you know the full season. But again, at this point, he's free. So if you wanted to go get him, like there is unmatched upside. Like imagine him just running down the sideline and Mahomes chucking the ball to him. Like that could happen. Like that's in the realm of possibilities. Um because you don't have to necessarily be a good receiver to just line up across the guy and burn him, right? And maybe that's yep. not the best attitude. And that's not totally accurate, right? Like, obviously, Matt Harmon would pr- probably you know, <laughs> kill me if you heard me giving this wide receiver analysis. Um, but don't tell him I said that in the group. But really, like, if you just line up across from a guy and you're going to sprint and you run a 4-3 or whatever the hell it is, like that's all it takes. Like It takes one deep shot, one deep ball from Pat Mahomes to, to pay off specifically, like maybe even in DFS. Um, if you're in on Tony, so, so I don't think he's safe, but I also think that because of his ADP, he becomes more safe. I, I, so I guess real quick on Tony, I agree with everything you said. I also think after the, like, this was an offense that revolved around yak yards last year. And he, I would say is by far their best receiver with the ball in their hands, but this is why, and I'm not just saying this cause you, you invited me on your show and stuff. You are my go-to source when it comes to medical stuff, uh, because I feel like a lot of the people in this industry know I'm not going to say any names or anything, but oftentimes the medical advice is just like, be cautious with this player, avoid this player. And I'm always like, is I don't think that's the case. We've seen players return from injuries all the time. And I, you know, I hate the, 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 the phrase injury prone and that narrative and everything. So I like that you tell us when injuries scare you and when you're like, listen, I, this one either doesn't matter or the ADP is low enough that it's worth taking a shot. No, 100%. And I think that that I because the bottom line is like, I I don't know, right? Like the only guy in recent since I started doing this, actually, the only guy since I started doing this five years ago uh, that I have said, like, okay, I I think I'm just going to back off of him is James Conner. 
And then James Conner turns around and plays like basically the full season. Like he still got hurt, right? But he still was able to pay off his ADP last season and stay healthy. So the bottom line is that we don't know. And that's the reason why I, I wrote the, the injury draft guide and, and playbook um, that is available uh, in the link in the show notes. But that's not why we're here. We're not here to promote that. Uh, Florio, you should have gotten a copy. You, you, you have the code yep. to, to get the copy. But um, yeah, man, I appreciate that. Um, I really appreciate yeah, uh, people like you who, who are interested and invested enough to understand that the injury stuff does matter. And there's a lot more nuance to it than just saying they're safe or they're not safe. And I, I do my best to paint the, the whole the whole picture. And the whole picture on Tony is basically because of the specific types of injuries he's had, He's probably not going to be able to stay healthy for a majority, you know, for the whole season. But in the in the games that he is playing, he could provide some big splash plays. And his ADP, it's probably fine to to go ahead and keep taking him. So hey, man, keep drafting him. Keep going. Like, what else? Who else you got for me? Jamison Williams. Any concerns with that knee? Dude, no Jamison Williams concerns. Like he is the epitome of. So okay, in this book, I talk about ACLs, right? And ACL recovery specifically, it, it's it also gets to be kind of nuanced. They're essentially what you need to know about wide receivers is that 61% of wide receivers after an ACL tear never return to 90% or more of their points per game, uh, fantasy points per game pre-injury. So like most, most receivers, and this goes for running backs too, don't bounce back in their second year. And yet the narrative is like, oh yeah, just draft them in the second year. But there is a, there's a handful, there's a contingent of players where that makes sense. Michael Gallup, that makes sense. He had a late season ACL. He came back way too early at seven and a half months. He wasn't confident on his knee all year, and he admitted that. That's a guy who could be a second-year bounce back. J.K. Dobbins, obviously the contract stuff notwithstanding. We don't know what the hell's going on with that. He's a guy who, even though he came back in one year, I mean, it was still, that injury is devastating. It probably should take, in all reality, any human should probably wait 15 to 18 months to come back and play any high-level sport, especially a contact one like J.K. Dobbins did. Um, They should probably wait 15 to 18 months. Like That's the bottom line. Um, but he didn't, he came back at 13 months and then he needed a a surgery and he still kept his explosiveness, but that's another guy. Second year ACL potentially could bounce back. Jamison Williams, the Lions took it slow with him. They really viewed him as, um, they viewed his ACL injury as something that they needed to really monitor. Uh, and they knew that he had a long career ahead of him. So they took it slow. They didn't play him in any games until he was like 11 months after the injury, which is fantastic. He was really thrown in there only on specific situations. And he was, he balled out when he did. So Jamison Williams is a guy that I'm not necessarily concerned about. Um, you do worry that he still hasn't, you know, sustained the entire season of, of an NFL, like an NFL season. Um, so that's like some soft tissue potentially concerns, but we can't predict that until we see it. Um, he doesn't, to my knowledge, have any soft tissue injury. So I'm, I'm also like in on Jamison Williams. I've been trying to get him more in best ball, but it's like, he's usually gone by the time that I can even, even with this, even with the six game suspension, which I find interesting. Like he's usually gone by the time I want to take him. Oh, I, he is my most drafted wide receiver this year. I, I love Jamison Williams and I understand your concern. If he can hold up for a full 17 games, we don't got to worry about that this year because he only got to hold, <laughs> That's true. hold up for That's 11. True. My thing continues to be though. If, if he hits, like you get him in the double digit rounds, if he hits, I think he is league winning upside from Maybe it takes him a couple weeks to shake off the rust, like say like week nine, 10 on. I could see this guy leading you to championships. Absolutely. I love that. I love that call out. I love that call out. Um, so from a guy like if, speaking of guys who, you know, or situations, I guess, that, that we're trying to decipher and, and stay ahead of ADP on. Um, can you tell me about, you know, you've already mentioned a few, but are there other other players that you 
that you, from a regression standpoint, are viewing as like a, as like a target or an avoid? Before we move on, yeah. So a couple of uh, receivers that I mean, it's look. He's my. I made a video for NFL twenty five breakout candidates this year. Number one was Chris Olave. I'm not telling you something that other people haven't already said. But when you talk about regression, I think he is the number one candidate because he had the second most unrealized air yards last year. The he was burning people downfield like, like he did in college. The the Saints quarterbacks though were doing a very poor job of getting him the ball downfield. Jameis Winston was the best at it. Andy Dalton was pretty terrible at it. Uh, Taysom Hill was not great either. But Derek Carr was better than all three of them on an individual or combined sense. So I, on deep ball passes. So I think he is a huge candidate for regression. And then you could call me a homer on this one, but Gabe Davis, um, <laughs> I, the only player who had more unrealized air yards than Chris Olave was Gabe Davis. Um, and, and to put a little injury in, into this analysis, he suffered an ankle injury early on that he said after the season and as recently as like last week that it hampered him all season. He never felt right after that, he said. But then take it a step further. Josh Allen hurts his UCL in week nine and his deep ball accuracy, his yards per attempt was less than half of what it was pre-injury on deep passes than after. Like I love Josh Allen, but he was not the same guy after he hurt his elbow. So I think those two things paired with the fact that Gabe Davis is paying partially. He was a letdown last year, but we also overhyped him as a community. And when that happens, people tend to fall off of a player the next year. So now you're getting Gabe Davis rounds later than you were last season. I think all of the reasons people were excited for a year ago still apply to him today, but no one wants him anymore because he didn't do it last season. Yeah, I think the biggest disconnect on Gabe Davis, like you, you sort of alluded to it last year, was is he going to pay off at this ADP? And it's less of a Gabe Davis take, and it was more of like a big picture. What is a profile of this specific player? How do, how do they typically perform in terms of meeting the standards of this ADP? And now I think the bar has been lowered to the point where like he could probably pay off at his ADP and have some pretty big spike weeks. I think the, the high ankle is definitely something that guys... Um, you know, most receivers actually, uh, this is in the guide as well. Most receivers don't bounce back from a high ankle sprain completely until the third week after they came back. So they play in one games, two games, and then the third game is when their fantasy points per game actually stabilizes back to normal. Um, receivers are also the culprits, you know, they're super, um, they're really, the receivers are bad about, they, they try to come back. They try to come back too soon and then they re-injure themselves. Um, there's actually the, the data that I looked at since 2014 showed that wide receivers coming back from a high ankle sprain. Um, I want to say it's something as I don't have the data right in front of me, uh, the, the data, but the data shows that they are, they typically try to come back faster than running backs and, but their re-injury rate is something crazy, like, like 25 or 30% or something like that. So they try to come back too soon, try to do, do too much too soon. And then they just can't get right. Um, you can make that argument for basically any player in the NFL, but when it comes to receivers and high ankles in particular, yeah, that's definitely an issue. So, um, there are a lot of, a lot of, uh, I think a lot of factors playing in, in Gabe Davis is favor. So I, I can't agree with you more. Is there a team or a player that you're having a hard time deciphering though? Is there a situation where you're just like throwing your hands up, like, you know, shaking your computer screen you're you're cursing the fantasy gods because you have to sit there and try to analyze this team or this player the denver broncos i'll be 100 percent honest with you i have no idea what to make of this team and i 
do not find myself drafting them often. Like, I, I look at Court Cortland Sutton, right? And I'm like doing drafts, and I'm like, Cortland Sutton goes outside the top forty receivers. This feels this feels pretty low. And then I look at my rankings, and I'm like, oh yeah, he's outside the top forty receivers. Uh, Jerry Judy, <laughs> I think I, I love Jerry Judy. Last season, to pat myself on the back a little bit. I was Team Judy over Team Sutton when Sutton was getting pulled up the board and hyped up as being a wide receiver one and stuff. But now, Judy, I feel like you're paying probably closer to the ceiling because I don't think he's one of the best like 15, 20 receivers in the league. But that's the price you kind of have to pay to get him. I like Greg Dolchik in, in this offense. Javante Williams, I, I'm super scared of because of the knee injury. And then they bring in Samaj P. Ryan, who could eat into work. Is Russell Wilson going to be back? Is Was last year poor coaching or or is Russ just kind of cooked? I don't know. Sean, I, I Look, I kind of agree with Sean Payton when he says it was the worst coaching job, one of the worst coaching jobs in the NFL. And my joke about that is no one who defended Nathaniel Hackett disagreed with what Sean Payton said. They were just like, you don't say that publicly. Like, there, there's... You know, we're a brotherhood and you don't say that stuff. But no one was like, no, that's you're being on me. You're being unfair to Nathaniel Hackett. So (laughs) maybe like there is something to that. And this offense could be salvaged. And I will admit there is more upside than I think they are receiving credit for. But I think the floor is insanely low. And I'll be honest with you. I I do not really know what to make of this offense. Man, if you don't know what to make of this offense, I don't know what to make of this offense. I just know that Jerry Judy is like, uh, I know Matt Harmon in particular has taken sort of a centrist stance and like he said, like Judy is, is fine. Um, so I think that, yeah, again, Judy can be fine. Like Sutton allegedly lost 10 pounds and I think generalities like he's in the best shape of his life or he's been training with X person or whatever the case may be like that stuff is not as tangible as things like. Cortland Sutton specifically lost 10 pounds and is just playing as a, at a specific playing weight like that. That is significant to me. Um, you listen to to Kyle Shanahan talk about Debo and how he came into camp out of shape last year. And Debo's admitted he was out of shape. And um, it's obviously gone viral because it's funny. And it's 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 a joke that Kyle Shanahan was like, you know, Debo was was basically updating me all offseason, telling me that he was staying in shape and training hard. He's like, I've never received so many pictures uh, of a shirtless man on my phone, but he looks good. And he said, Debo, like, Debo looks good. Like That stuff to me does matter. When guys physically look shredded up, when guys are physically objectively at a lower playing weight, like that stuff does factor in a little bit. So I do think that like, it's a small tick. I don't want to say it's like a big tick, but for Cortland Sutton specifically, I do think that that's a small tick in his favor as well. Is there any other any other teams or players that you're also having a hard time deciphering? Um, The Bucks are... They're- they're just a team that I'm more fading than there. So I will, there's a lot of unknowns. Like I don't know what Jordan love is going to be. So I'm not as bullish on Christian Watson as someone. I love Watson as an individual talent, but I'm not sold on Jordan love yet. I, I need to see it. Maybe preseason could change my mind. Maybe, maybe I just go into the season saying I'm going to be a little bit lower on Watson. Uh, that, that is one thing that I've, the stance I've been taking so far, the Niners as well, because one, everyone throws out different numbers about like, oh, the target share for these offenses when these players are out there. And the, and I'm like, yo, they have four great pass catchers. 
it is going to be inconsistent week to week outside of Christian McCaffrey, I think, who is is great because he gets the yardage on the ground as well. I think it's going to be inconsistent for those pass catchers. I'm the low guy, not for fantasy, but in real life, I feel like on Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy is so overrated. Um not overrated, but I, I think like it, it's an easiest system to play in, the best weapons in football. And if you compare a lot of his numbers, he's very Jimmy G-esque, but he gets built up like this great talent. I've been on record saying, like, I think if you put Sam Darnold out there, he could be close to, if not better than what Brock Purdy was. And I think <laughs> Trey Lance has the highest fantasy ceiling of them all. But the reports now that Purdy's looking pretty bad at camp and basic apparently he's thrown like six interceptions in the last couple of days. It it is scary for an offense that I, I tweeted this out. I feel dirty fading the 49ers offense because they are going to be a top five unit this year. I just think it's going to be very inconsistent week to week for fantasy. Yeah, that that's going to make it tough. I mean, the 49ers are definitely um, a really, a really hard team to deal with, too. And then George Kittle, right? Like I, I talked mm-hmm. to Jared Spola, too. Um, he pointed out that George Kittle had some crazy touchdown rate, but also had, but then also had career lows and like targets and yards and receptions. It's like, Oh God. So he sustained that, that, that season with, with purely touchdowns. Like, is that, is that going to happen again? Is that something that you, um, that you can count on and bank on? And then obviously Debo Samuel coming in, but you know, how much volume is he going to take? And even the, this trickles down even to like the handcuff guys. Not that I would ever take Elijah Mitchell because I do think he's falling into that category of the few players that I, wouldn't necessarily want on my team because injuries are a concern. You can't even take him because if Christian McCaffrey were to go down, Debo Samuel would probably absorb some of that and they would probably run a lot more screens to George Kittle. They'd probably try to throw more bombs down the sideline to Brandon Ayuk. Like any given week, like, you know, the, the old trope that, that fantasy analysts like to use, like I like him better in best ball, which by the way, I use that all the time as well. But like (laughs) the whole, the, the entire 49ers team, like as a team, it's like, I prefer the 49ers in best ball. Because you never know who's going to spike. You never know when the spikes are going to come. You don't know why, but they, they're going to spike. You know they're going to be a good offense. But man, I'm I'm right there with you. It's it's really hard to decipher any you know what's going to happen in San Francisco. Not, um, not too go ahead, go ahead. to date your podcast, but right now as we are recording, the Packers are playing the Bengals. Christian Watson just burned his defender and was underthrown by Jordan Love. Oof, tough. That is tough. Speaking of. I don't know how I'm going to make this transition. I was going to say, speaking of pancakes, because that's where we're going next. Pancakes. Um, how about this? Christian Watson season was so sweet last year, but can he repeat it or will he go sour? Speaking of sweet, we're going to play a game called Pancakes or Syrup. Basically, so I started playing this game with a guest. It's really, it's a, I think it's really fun to understand. So I stole this line from Rich Rebar. One day, he just sort of like nonchalantly threw out uh, on Twitter. He was like, in terms of like talking about a team. Um, about the receivers and the pass catchers and the running backs versus the quarterback. And instead of saying, you know, I prefer the quarterback, he was like, I prefer the syrup instead of the pancakes this time. So the, the skill players are the pancakes. They get the syrup spread all over them. Meanwhile, the syrup is what spreads onto the pancakes. So the quarterback, obviously, they're the, the quarterback spreading the ball out. So pancakes, skill players, syrup, quarterback. For the following teams, I want you to tell me, do you prefer the quarterback or the skill players. So do you prefer the pancakes or the syrup? By the way, are you a breakfast guy? I'm a big breakfast guy, a huge breakfast guy. I I so I oh, do no. intermittent oh, fasting. No. So I don't oh, eat no. breakfast six days no. a week. But I do once every weekend do a big breakfast with my wife because I do love breakfast food. But I I love like like pancakes. I'm not like a 
I'm going to eat oatmeal or something like that. Sure, like, when no, I eat no. breakfast, mm-hmm. I, I go all out and I get like Absolutely. pancakes and bacon and eggs and all that. I think people who eat oatmeal for breakfast are uh, socialists uh, or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. What, what is this? I don't know. What are the, what are the, what are the guys at ETR say? Spreadsheet socialists. It's, that's a funny term. So that's, I think that's what's in my brain when I said that. Um, so sidebar, I just wanted to know if you're a breakfast guy. So you tell me Seahawks. Syrup or pancakes? Uh, if I have to choose between the one, I'm going to go pancakes. But let's throw some syrup on there. I, I think Geno Smith is a great value at where he goes. I, I'm i not 100% confident he can duplicate the season that he had a year ago. But uh, with the weapons that he has um, in the Pete Carroll offense, all of that, I, I think that he... Where you're getting him, QB like 14 on average, something like that. I, I think he's a good value. But I wrote an article, uh, you could read it on NFL.com, the 10 best wide receiver values based on ADP. Tyler Lockett was number one for me. I, I love Tyler Lockett. I think that he is such a better value than DK Metcalf. I think JSN is a great talent, but he is pulling down Tyler Lockett where you're not getting, you're not losing any value on DK Metcalf like you're paying the same price as like a year ago for DK um the thing is if you're now adding a third potentially big target into the mix wouldn't you want the receiver who is proven to be far more efficient rather than the one that has relied on heavy volume because DK is way more volume dependent than Tyler Lockett is in my opinion he had like 13 more end zone targets last year and fewer end zone catches than Tyler Lockett. Like Lockett was better on a per target, per route, per catch basis. So I will go with syrup. No, I'm sorry, with the pancakes here if I have to choose, but specifically Tyler Lockett. Love it. Love it. We'll make sure to link that article in the show notes as well. All right, next team up. You already mentioned that. I'm going to throw them in there because you kind of already talked about it. And I think I know where you're going to go, but just I want to confirm. 49ers, if you have to take 49ers, somebody's got a a super soaker to your head. They're going to soak you with water if you don't answer pancakes or syrup. 49ers, pancakes or syrup. I know I said um, that I'm like the low guy on Brock Birdie. Give me the syrup here because I, I said that I think their weapons could be inconsistent week to week. And that's nothing new. Like George Kittle last year was inconsistent. Right, Their numbers will be there at the end of the year, and you'll be like, this guy had a pretty good season, but getting there is going to be like an up-and-down roller coaster ride. That being said, though, Brock Purdy goes outside the top 20 quarterbacks, and it seems like right now that is who the 49ers want to be their quarterback. So I think that he will be a, a screaming value, and if they end up switching to Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, whoever the quarterback is, is going to be a value because... No, I mean, getting them outside the top 20 right now is a steal, whereas you're paying full price for the the skill position players. Yep. No, I, I agree with you there. I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. Broncos, your favorite team from what you said. <laughs> Pancakes or syrup? I'll, I'll go syrup here um, because Russell Wilson is on average is like QB 17 and at least there's upside there. Uh, Jerry Judy, I, I said already, I think you're paying close to full price to get him. Sutton, I feel like you get a discount on him. But then again, I'm always like, I can't really push him up a whole lot higher than I than where he's going. Greg Dolchik, I, I like, but we're talking about as like more of a tight end too. So if I have to take a the skill position players or 
Russell Wilson, uh, I'll take the bounce back gamble on Russell Wilson. But while we're talking about the Broncos, Marvin Mims is a deep sleeper that I like a lot uh, on their offense. Yeah, Marvin Mims actually, um, Sean Payton went out of his way to go get Marvin Mims despite having Jerry Judy, despite having Cortland Sutton, despite at the time still having, uh, still having, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. He tore his Achilles, Tim Patrick, uh, despite having Greg Dulcich. Like he, he went out of his way to go get Marvin Mims, so that is 100% a name to watch. I, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, this is going to be an interesting one. And this is, this is a tough one for me. And I'd be curious, I'm curious to know what you're going to say. Ravens. Pancake or syrup? Give me the syrup here. Um, oh, I, baby! I love Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think that there's gonna he's going to put up a career year as a passer. Uh, he's a top five fantasy quarterback for me. I still think he has the upside to finish as the best in the league because of his rushing capabilities. And I know people are expecting him to run less. I think there will be fewer designed running calls for Lamar Jackson, but him dropping back is so dangerous because now you got to worry about these three wide receivers. You got to worry about Mark Andrews. He's going to have plenty of room to run and his, his arm might actually create more running lanes for him. I think that is something that is not being considered by enough people. I also have concerns that Odell might be washed or if he's not even washed, like I just think he's going to struggle to be anything more than like a low end kind of wide receiver option. Rashad Bateman can't seem to stay on the field. If I take a, a shot on it, you're paying full price for Mark Andrews, like always, if I take a shot on any of their pass catchers, it tends to be Zay Flowers, who I think might be their wide receiver one by the middle of the season. I love Lamar this year. I think he's one of the most obvious, like screaming to me, screaming values. He could finish as a quarterback one. Um, I don't, maybe you disagree here. I don't think you can say that for, for Justin Herbert. I don't think you can say that. Obviously, I don't, I don't think there's any disagreement here. I don't think you can say that for Trevor Lawrence. Um, I don't think you can say that for Joe Burrow. Um, and Patrick Mahomes hasn't, you know, finished as a QB one overall since 2018, but Lamar Jackson has the, the ceiling. I think it's, I think it's Jackson. I think it's Lamar. I think it's Josh Allen. And I think it's Jalen Hurts. Those three guys have the best chance to finish as the QB one with this new offense. Like, dude, I, I I'm in love with it. I, I love that answer. Um, I, I want to end the show on that one, but I'm not going to because you still have a couple <laughs> more you have to answer. Chiefs, pancakes or syrup? Syrup. Uh, I, I know you you were correct in saying he has Mahomes hasn't been the QB one since 2018, and that that's per game, right? Because uh, I believe so. Yep. Yeah, last season he did break the overall scoring record for a quarterback in fantasy football, breaking his own record, which would have been broken by Lamar in 2019 if he didn't sit out that final game because he was like .1 behind. Um, that being said, yeah, Jalen Hurts averaged more fantasy points than him. Uh, Allen was there. So he is my QB3 in my rankings, but outside of Travis Kelsey, the receivers, like I love Kadarius Toney, but it it's could be a guessing game. It could be someone different each week, potentially. Um, and I, I, you could go to rotorballer.com for this article. I wrote an article that for the first time ever, I think it's worth, it's a big advantage to paying up for quarterbacks because Mahomes, Hurts, Allen last year were all around 25 points per game. Um, there was only one other quarterback last year that averaged over 20 points per game, and it was Joe Burrow, who was at 21. So when we're talking about 25 to 21, that's a difference of a passing touchdown per week. And then you go to like QB 12, that was like 17 points per game. So that's a difference of 
basically on average week is two more passing touchdowns than the QB 12. It's not like back in the day when you had like Brady and Peyton Manning were the QB ones or two. And then you were like, oh, but the difference isn't that big from them in like a QB 10 or 12 because those guys didn't run. Not only are, are Hertz, Mahomes and Allen giving you such an advantage on average per week, but they also bring the ceiling of just going absolutely bananas and giving you 30, 35 fantasy points. It's such a safe floor and a high ceiling that I think you get an edge for uh, for paying up for quarterback. Lamar could be in that same range next season, uh, this season, I mean. I think Justin Herbert is a candidate as well. But even if you don't take one of the top three, you need to take them, these guys, as the top six, seven quarterbacks. So for me, I continue to pay up for them in my drafts and, and advocate to others do the same. Love it. Love it. Love that explanation. Packers, pancakes or syrup or ayahuasca? <laughs> ayahuasca, always. Oh, <laughs> uh, pancakes for me. Uh, I'll, I'll take the gamble on Christian Watson and Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And I really like Jaden Reed. Everyone else could keep drafting Romeo Dobbs, who was drafted 80 spots later than where the Packers took Jaden Reed and they the Packers paid up for Reed after already knowing what Romeo Dobbs was and having him on the roster so uh I like Reed as a sleeper I think Christian Watson is a great talent if Jordan Love can get him the ball and the running backs here are very proven so whereas Jordan Love is not so I will take the skill position there awesome all right last question before we get you out of here anything any rant it can be a soapbox. It can be a rant. Any non-football related issue or or pet peeve that you have, you just want to get off your chest. It's somewhat related to football, but it it's okay. So I guess it is related to football, but it comes from a non-football point of view. Um, start supporting players. Like stop supporting uh, the teams who don't want to pay the players no. because. Yep. In your life, right, unless you own a business, you are the player. Most, 99% of the people in this country and in this world are laborers, not capitalists, but they operate and, and they talk and their opinions are based like they are capitalists. Look, the capitalist propaganda works great and it, it 365, 24-7, never stops. I understand since you were a small child, you were probably taught to think this way. But how would you feel if you were like, you know what? I outseeded my uh, I, any expectations that you had for me. I, I surpassed them. I had a great year this year. I, I'm due for a raise. Let me go talk to my boss. You go talk to your boss and your boss is like, I don't know. This person at a different company that's not related to you in any way, shape, or form is making this much money. And you know, you're negotiating. Imagine if some random dude popped out of nowhere and was like, you don't deserve this money. We could replace you with... with it doesn't make any sense to me. Support laborers, support the writers that are on strike, support the players asking for money. We need as a workforce to support each other. And we can only do that with unity. So support regular people, support football players, support anyone asking for a livable wage for their work. I think the disconnect is that they make millions of dollars, but the disconnect with that logic in particular is that yes, they make millions of dollars, but there's a bigger gap between you and the owner than there is between you and the player. Published literature, that shows that these guys leave the game not the same as when they got there. The number one constant is that these guys leave the game injured. They have higher rates of arthritis in particular. Obviously, CTE is still being studied, not totally understood, but is a concern. 
memory problems, cognitive problems, depression, anxiety, those things linger after a career is over. Just because they're not on your TV screen anymore doesn't mean that they disappear from this world. They still have to live their lives. They want to play catch with their grandkids, right? Like some of these guys, they, they can't get a knee replacement for whatever reason. So they can't even walk around and like have a walk and take a walk with their grandkids, right? Like the attitude of like, you know, fulfill the contract that you signed. This is where I don't want to make it personal, but in my five years of doing this on Twitter, some analysts and sports fans in particular are some of the softest people I have ever, anybody criticizes them the way that they criticize athletes, these people on Twitter, they would lose their minds. They would be calling HR. I share this. I work with these athletes, not the, not the football ones, obviously, but I work with the baseball guys. The stuff that they do and that they go through just to get back to the field, just to play and like, and some of them just provide for their family. It is unreal. It is unmatched. Pay the players. Jim Irsay, stop funding fucking, you know, whales to be let out in the ocean. Uh, pay Jonathan Taylor, right? Like what he deserves. I'm glad that you went there. This became a rant for me too. This wasn't supposed to, this wasn't supposed to, be, this wasn't supposed to be about the guests. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. As you were talking, uh, Romeo Dobbs scored a touchdown after I said that he was overrated. <laughs> That's a great note to finish on. Thank you so much, Michael. This was, this was fun. Um, this was always a good time. I'm excited to beat you in our league again. Make sure you check out Michael F. Florio at Michael F. Florio on Twitter. He is at NFL Network, uh, NFL Fantasy, Roto Baller, Sirius XM, Florio's Football Show. I will link the article that he referenced in the show notes. Thanks again. Gracias por tus oídos.